it seems like, of course, everything in the NFL has been kind of slowing down a tick just because, you know, the first week of free agency is always just bat crap insane. Uh, and then we kind of slowed down, but there's still some really good signings and a lot of stuff that went down during the second week of the NFL free agency period. So we're here to talk about that, of course. Dan Snyder, like, um, always on side to take a headline. And then there's some quarterback controversy, possibly, brewing in Jacksonville. We're going to talk about the most underrated offseason, the most improved and least improved teams, as well as talk about some of the biggest names that are still on the market. And, of course, we're going to have our best of all buy or sell segment talking maybe who had the better offseason between the Packs and Bucks, Sam Darnold's future, and also maybe some quarterback battles um, with Indianapolis and also what's going on with the New England Patriots. But, of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by A.K. Alex Krupp. And we're here to get things going. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic on this fine Thursday. It is... Uh... Yeah, like you said, free agency is wrapping down a little bit, but that does not mean there's not still impactful moves that can be made by all 32 teams in the NFL. And that doesn't mean that there's ever going to be a slow news day in the NFL because you got owners like Dan Snyder out there just <laughs> ready to completely uh, flip the course of action on everything. So, um, yeah, ready to dive in. Let's get going. Ooh. So we're talking about uh, Dan Snyder. Let's talk Dan Snyder because what's going on is that there's a couple things going on with Washington. Um, as of right now, they're actually they're still looking at possibly a new name. But there's a lot of people thinking that football team might actually stick. Then there's also Dan Snyder buying helped by the NFL to buy out all of the majority or the minority owner shares of the team. So Alex, first off, the first part of the news: Are you okay with Washington football team being their permanent name, or do they actually need to get something? real i mean I'll, I'll be honest with you it's it's kind of like marketing 101 that any publicity is good publicity and when you have something which is which is something that's really hard to do in the nfl especially with such um you know a commercialized product to have something unique in the nfl will always get headlines will always make you talked about and even if you just pull every single random person on the street right now and you say you know, out of the NFL, like, which team do you know? All the, like, you, you might just have a random answer of someone like, well, isn't there one team that doesn't have an actual name and it's just <laughs> called the football team? And it's like, why wouldn't you want that? I mean, branding aside where you don't have an actual, you, you don't have an actual um, mascot associated with, you don't have, uh, you, you know, guys running around um, on the side of the, the stadium in a, in a big dolphin costume or a bear outfit, <laughs> anything like that. You lose that aspect. But what you do get is you still have a cool logo because I think burgundy and yellow is a very, very cool. Yes, I, I love a good basic font W is my Exactly. Logo. And it's like you are you have something different than every other team in the NFL, and that's you don't have a name. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick posted that Instagram video where he goes at the end of it, let's go football team. It's like that doesn't – that's not a generic statement anymore. That means the Washington football team. I think it's kind of genius that they might stay with this. And to touch on that second part, Dan Snyder, I don't know why, um, you know, Roger Goodell in the NFL front office loves this guy's presence so much that they would give him a $450, $500 million basically debt forgiveness to then go out, buy out the minority owners, do it two years before – the actual big TV money comes in. So he gets 
um, you know, almost 80 cents on the dollar, what it actually should be, should cost. And now all of a sudden he has full ownership of an NFL football team. I don't like it because Dan Snyder is pretty much a captain of a sinking ship right now uh, in terms of just how that franchise is, has been ran and uh, all the and a ship with no name a ship with uh, a no name ship. Well, um, you have the the ship is just what it's called. It's just called the yep. ship um, head by Captain Dan Snyder. And it is sinking because there's been so many just awful and damning reports coming out of that front office and coming out how that team functions in, in, in the, the just kind of the go in the happenings in terms of, you know, all the sexual assault stuff. And let, let's not get into things because it's just never ending. Uh, so I don't understand why the NFL backs this guy so hard. Cause clearly he can hardly even run a football team. I mean, how many times have you seen people make fun of the Washington formerly Redskins or the Washington football team? I could say the R word because I said formerly. So, so don't, don't get at me. And then also I think, to your point, Alex, it is eye-catching. It is, I guess, creative in terms of marketing sense. But at the same time, it's so stupid. I really just – I can't get behind it. I can't – You don't you have said, to. When Fitzpatrick said, let's go football team, I was like, was well, this some, like, really generic, like, high school football team or something like that? Where they It were, works. I – just, just, just think about Just think about the, the, the pure essence of this. We started off this show today talking about if the Washington football team should change their name from the Washington football team. Last offseason, we were talking about potential names for the football team. If they really wanted to and if they were smart, they would have a five-year plan of, okay, at this point, we're going to get a mascot. We're going to get this. We're going to get this perfect logo, and everything is going to be perfect for this massive unveiling. Now, but here in is, what what'd time, you do, Alex? Here, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because i got something better for you. Every single year until the NFL dies, you tease a name change. Every single year. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's you really? just you just cut me off my five year plan before I get into the well, your five well your it. five year plan is I'm more like forever plan. Every single year you tease it. You never lock down something. You all you're going to stick with Washington football team for the rest of time. But there's always like oh we're going to change it. Oh maybe a mascot. Maybe maybe a new logo. It's, if you're watching, the, the best okay. thing you could do, though, is have a all-black alternate uniform at this point. I, I saw that picture of Chase Young. and Clean, right? You know, I, although I've had the, the, all the Chase Young takes, and <laughs> where I've clearly said he's not a bad player. He's just way overhyped, and he's not an elite pass rusher yet. Everyone can just go check the tapes on that one. He looks freaking <laughs> sick in an all-black uni. My gosh. With the visor? Oh, with the visor. Can we bring back – with the tinted visor, too. Ooh. Yeah, bring back LT. Bring back LT. Oh, I miss LT. That, that was some good foosball back then. And then the second thing I want to talk about f before we get into free agency, Alex, is that apparently the Jags have not been taking any calls for Gardner Minshew, even though they've had interest. And they also just signed a former Niners backup, C.J. Beathard, which isn't a half-bad signing, um, all things considered. It's really bad. Yeah. It's really bad. He's, yeah. he's a we've, – we've proven this time and time no, again that C.J. Beathard is not a, a – comparable backup if they sign nick mullins and that'd be a whole different story that that that'd be a super bowl team right there <laughs> maybe yeah. no uh let's punt the brakes but there's going to be they're going to be bringing in trevor lawrence this offseason and through the nfl draft if they don't then all this can just kind of be put to bed though but we already talked about alex that trevor lawrence and gardner Minshew, those are not two quarterbacks that you want in the same quarterback room especially when one's a vet and one's going to be a rookie 
And Gardner Minshew has plenty of talent. You could get a good deal from him. You could probably get at least a second rounder for Gardner Minshew, depending on uh, who who's trying to trade. So why haven't they? I also love how we call Gardner Minshew a vet when he's been in the league for two years. Technically, he's a vet. A I know. It's just so funny. <laughs> and I agree with you. I think he is like considered the vet in this situation. But it's like, all right, C.J. Beathard is not a vet. And Gardner Minshew is also not a vet. And uh, I know it, it makes absolutely no sense. What they should have done is you trade Gardner Minshew for a second and a fifth or something like that. You bring in C.J. Beathard. And then you bring in like an actual old head starting quarterback like you know, don't quote me on this one, but you bring in like a Joe Flacco type, you bring in like a Mike Glennon type back to Jacksonville. And it's like, that could be your, your stable backup, the the old head in the quarterback room. But right now, if you have this quarterback room of three guys in Jacksonville, you have a combined starting experience of maybe a year and a half in the NFL. And that's just not going to get it done for a guy that you're going to completely turn the keys over to. And it's, I just, I don't see Gardner Minshew as the guy that's going to take Trevor Lawrence under his shoulder. And you know what, you know, come on, young Padawan, let's go we crank, you know, like crank up the Gardner film. Gardner Minshew's still coming and, for an NFL starting job. He's not going yeah, to it's just, I just don't, I just don't see that being in an environment where Trevor Lawrence has the most around him from a support standpoint to be able to grow. And it, it just doesn't make any sense to me why they wouldn't trade Gardner Minshew. They drafted him late. They've developed him to a point where they can now flip him for a much better asset, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I have no idea. No. Um, just hurry up and send Gardner Minshew to the Patriots because that's what we've all been waiting for. We've all for. been waiting for. That's what we've all been – that's what I've been waiting for since the beginning of the, of the year, it, the first week of January. That's all I've been saying, and that's all that needs – that would be such a – that's a Bill Belichick move Perfect. right there. Perfect fit. Just make it happen. But now let's transition on into the NFL free agency breakdown of the show, Alex. And like I said, we are going to talk who's had the most underrated offseason slash free agency period so far. And I got three teams in mind. They actually all begin with a B. So let's get to the first one. And I swear I'm, I'm not trying to be a homer on this one. But if you look at, at what happened with the Broncos, essentially, John Elway got promoted but demoted at the same time, going away from GM, taking a vice president's like role. They bring in uh, Patton at to lead, um, kind of the Broncos GM to lead their offseason and who's going to be leading the draft. And he's done a damn good job it is his first year with the Broncos because not only was he able to pick up Von Miller, he was able to re-sign Shelby Harris, he was able to re-sign Kareem Jackson, he was able to um, bring in Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, they brought in Mike Boone, I still hate that they let Philip Lindsay walk, especially since he joined the Texans. Like, why would you join the? I, I, I gave my piece on episode fifty six that we that we released last week. Um, you can go listen to that if you want to hear me rant about Philip Lindsay. But Mike Boone's still a legitimate running back. He's a thousand yard rusher. He was good with that Vikings team, and he's going to be good with the Broncos. And the Broncos are still third in cap space in the league. And I already have an idea of the next guy they should bring in. We'll get to that um, in a few minutes here. But I love what Denver's been doing so far. And they still have a lot that they're able to do. Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely a, a team that, um, you, you know, they they have a lot of pieces on the team. And they just need to fill in those, those, gap, those gap positions. They need to have um, just a good mix of young and, 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 uh, and, and obviously veteran talent in there. Um, I think this is just an organization that's going in the right direction. 
I think Kyle Fuller has a better name than what his production on the field has shown to this point. Will it take a defensive mind like Vic Fangio to actually unlock all that he can do? I love the, re the reunite with Vic Fangio because Vic Fangio had a pro bowler in Kyle Fuller. Exactly. So I, I think just, just putting those two uh, – you know, people together that we know have had success in the past and also bringing in Ronald Darby, a veteran guy in that, in that secondary, um, you know, Kareem Jackson, Shelby Harris were, were massive to bring back. And as well as Von Miller still have a bunch of cap space. I think this team has a lot of runway to get better. I don't know what getting better entails until you fix the quarterback yep. spot, which is the common theme every single time we talk. But when you have Drew Locke at your quarterback position, your ceiling is a 500 team it just is it. There's nothing different about it. You want to know how you, you improve that? that? George Patton could become goaded in Denver if he brings in Deshaun Watson, hands yeah. down. If he brings 100%. in Deshaun Watson, that's a perfect offseason. Uh, yeah. I'm going to keep speaking to existence, Alex, because it's it's going to happen. The Niners don't need him. No, not that. Uh, the Niners can go uh, get Gardner Mitchell if they want, take him for the Patriots, or maybe maybe Justin Fields type. Maybe. We'll, uh, we'll be getting some draft stuff out here soon, though. The next team I want to bring to you that has had a underrated offseason for agency period is the Cleveland Browns. This was a playoff team that was good. They were a solid team last year, and they were a couple points away from beating a Patrick Mahomes-less Chiefs in the playoffs and, and somehow advancing after that drudging that they put on uh, Pittsburgh in, in the first round. That was just so, so, so damn brutal. But this yeah. is a good team that got even better so far. You get bring on John Johnson and Troy Hill from the Rams to get your uh, defensive back help, which John Johnson, Troy Hill, I mean, of course, when you have a defense that has um, Aaron Donald and has Jalen Ramsey, there's some guys that are going to get overlooked, but these guys, I don't think they really got the credit that they deserve from last year. Then they also get Malcolm Smith and Anthony Walker to boost that linebacking core. They have an already talented offense. They need to bring up that defense. That's exactly what they've been doing. Yeah, I mean, the Browns, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive to think about, but they have been making good moves for the last four to five years. And, and that's that weird to, to say. It, it's really it is. I mean, you know, going back from, you know, their old, their old management, they brought in a lot of very good, um, very good defensive players. You know, you had Miles Garrett, you had a really, really good cornerback court that led by Denzel Ward. And with that, and with the combination of bringing in the elite skill position players, you brought in Odell Beckham, you brought in Austin Hooper, you brought in Jarvis Landry, and supplementing them with good draft picks, it's just it creates the foundation for a good team. And then you need that final piece, and that final piece, and sometimes is a quarterback, and other times it's a good head coach like Kevin Stefanski that can unlock that quarterback. Because before Stefanski arrived to the Browns. Baker Mayfield was almost looking like a total bust from that class. Then you bring Stefanski in, you do the things that Baker does well, and all of a sudden you now have an asset. You now have a quarterback that you can win with and that you can have a ceiling above 500. And these additions that they made this offseason, getting John Johnson, getting Troy Hill, both from a secondary from the Rams that was number one, number two in the league for the entire season. And yes, that does help with a great pass rush. But if you look at both of their coverage numbers individually and their PFF grades, they were incredible last year. And adding them to that secondary with Denzel Ward 
um, and with some of the other guys they got, and they still have an elite pass rusher. They go from maybe the, the number one pass rusher in the league to the number two pass rusher in the league. So they still have that that support from the front seven. So I love what the Browns did this offseason. I think those um, you know those peripheral moves where you supplement that good team, that good foundation that they already um, you know laid the groundwork for, it has just been a great offseason for the Browns. Not sexy, but you don't need to be sexy when you have the foundation like we talked about already. So love what the Browns did this offseason. Man, imagine being a Browns fan right now, Alex. This is real almost uncharted territory is what it feels like because first, you make the playoffs last year. You win the playoff game last year. You almost win a divisional round game last year. And now you're going off of that and you're building up something positive and making a good team better. I really hope they're able to contain themselves because I would, I, I wouldn't know what to what to be able to do with all this good news. I feel like something's wrong, you know. So, Agreed. those Browns fans deserve it, though. And the last team I want to touch on is having a underrated offseason is one of the worst teams in the league last year, uh, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals because they've been able to bring in Trey Hendrick Hendrickson. Although they might have overpaid a little bit for him, it wasn't a Bud Dupree type situation at least but there is overpay there still nonetheless fantastic talent to bring on you bring in mike williams you bring in uh jadobi awuzi key key to that cowboys uh secondary over the last couple years so he's a fantastic piece to have and then you also bring in a guy that we talked about a number of weeks ago as a one of these big names that might be cut due to cap um, situations, and that's former Vikings left tackle Riley Reef. You now bring in a a really good and veteran offensive lineman to be there for Joe Burrow's um, blinds, and and I know any offensive lineman they brought in this offseason would have been an improvement. But Riley Reef is a great name and one of the more underrated free agents that was on the market this year. He's not a, a Joe Thune kind uh, Thune kind of guy, but um. He's a solid, solid guy. He was solid in, in Minnesota. He was solid for Kirk Cousins. He was solid for Dalvin Cook in that running game. And he's only gonna allow a rookie, a I guess a rookie quarterback still, because he never really had a full. He he didn't have close to a full season coming off a bad injury. That's gonna be key to just to keep him protected. Try to keep him upright, or at least give him more than two damn seconds in that pocket. Great move for the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on Trey Hendrickson a little bit, because that's one of those one of those guys where you know you wrap up free agency and you say you know Trey Hendrickson got um, you know some of the highest money of the offseason and some of the highest AAV of the offseason, mm -hmm. and you see the big sack numbers and some people say you know big sack numbers that's one of the fraud most fraudulent stats out there because you know you could have a quarterback fall over and the closest guy gets the sack for that I mean what is that telling you? But Trey Hendrickson last year number three in the NFL for pressure rate, which is massive in the NFL and on third downs, which the Bengals were atrocious on in pass rushing number one in the NFL with a pass rate or with a, with a pressure percentage of almost 25%. So a quarter of the time on third downs, he is getting to that quarterback. He is causing an inaccurate throw. He's getting home. He's getting a sack. And from a defensive standpoint, the best indicator of, defensive line win rate, defensive line actual contributions to the game is pressure rate. It's not sacks. And when you have a guy that's top three in the NFL and overall pressure rate and number one on third downs, that's a guy you can pay 15 million a year for. And that's what they did. And they upgraded Trey and Carl Lawson to Trey Hendrickson. Ironically, guys that were drafted about 11 spots away from each other in 2017. <laughs> 
but they upgraded that position. You know, Carl Lawson also got $15 million a year. So I think upgrading Lawson to Hendrickson for the exact same dollar amount was massive for the Bengals. One of those, one of those moves that's not going to grab a headline, but you just, you just make those, um, you know, moves on the outside moves on the peripheral and that's how you build a winning football team Bengals you might actually not be a bottom feeder team last uh next season you crazy they're, they're, they're kind of on the same path as the Browns were yeah except with the way better quarterback yeah well I, I I'm glad we're not getting arguments there and I really don't expect any arguments from anyone unless they're probably a Browns fan now let's keep on things. Let's keep things on rolling, and let's go into our most and least improved teams. Now, Alex, I want to start off with the most improved teams because we're positive here. We're going. We're going to start with the positive, and then we can crap on the other three teams here in a couple minutes. But one of the most improved teams is one that we had. Uh, we're talking about at the beginning of the show, and that is the Washington Football Team because they've been able to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, Samuel Cooper, Will Jackson. Lamar Miller, slightly underrated. He was he uh, at least in the past. He's been a, a fairly talented, almost like a uh, reminds me of like a diet Le'Veon Bell. The way he's able to kind of bounce around and, and take some time and be be a little patient, but still have that little bit of speed. Um, honestly, I'd rather him over Le'Veon Bell right now. Way cheaper too. Um, and then also David Sharp and Tyler Larson, all good moves for the Washington Football Team. And this is a team. I mean, they're in the NFC East. Where we made enough NFC Ejos last year we don't need to keep that going because they're personally they're just kind of um, overrated or overdone at, at this point um and thank you sorry Alex uh, I appreciate your correcting not Curtis Samuel Samuel uh or not Samuel Cooper it was Curtis Samuel a couple Samuels out there a lot of names a lot of free agency I've been you know like the NBA stuff it's hard to keep up with some of these but that's why I got a man like you uh on the show I like what Washington is doing here. Their ceiling and their floor both raised uh, tremendous levels. I like Ron uh, Ron Rivera. You know the riverboat. He's still going there. He's changing that that locker room chemistry. He's changing that team culture, and he's improving the team. And they're gonna have they're gonna be able to compete in this division no matter who they brought in uh, this offseason. And I just uh, I I think they've gone from a below. Uh, not there's no kind of debate there. They were a below average team, and now they're average. And I would say they're getting close to that above average team with the good offense potentially. And then especially if um, Chase is just able, Chase Young is able to keep developing, get that secondary pass pass rush move that you've been begging him to develop. This could be a good football team. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the biggest issue with Washington last year was obviously the offensive side of the ball. You know, it, it wasn't a lack of the top-tier weapons because they have that. Terry, Terry McLaurin is a stud. Antonio Gibson's a stud. And the problem with these guys was Antonio Gibson just could not find running lanes at the end of the year. Their offensive line is not the best. Terry McLaurin was the only offensive threat on the outside, save for a Logan Thomas, um, you know, breakout towards the end of the year. But, you know, when you had a quarterback that couldn't get those guys the ball and Terry McLaurin getting so much attention – you had the issue of where is that secondary offense going to come from? And with the addition of Curtis Samuel, with bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick, you don't just bring in the alternate weapons. You bring in a quarterback that has the ability to spread the ball out to multiple locations. He can throw the ball deep. He can throw the ball in the mid-tier. He can 
go off play action. He can throw the ball short. He actually has a little bit more, um, you know, scoot and boot to his game than, than everyone gives him credit for. Um, you know, almost like Alex Smith before all the, the leg injuries, you know, he could run for a third and seven first down every now and then, and he can get you um, four yards at the goal line if you really need it. I think but people forget Curtis, that he was a really solid quarterback when he was still with the San Francisco 49ers. He was good. Agreed. He, he was. I mean, he's not a bust for the number one overall pick, and everyone thought he was going to be when no. they got when they drafted him, but um, or, or after the first couple of years. But what Curtis Samuel does, and which something that is extremely underrated, is it's just a guy where when he's on the field, you have to be alert to where he is at because a lot of the times he'll take you to where the ball is going to go. And when you have that attention diverted from your best two offensive players, like Antonio Gibson, like Terry McLaurin, it just opens up opportunities for them. And I love what that addition to it. Riverboat Ron knows what he's doing with Curtis Samuel, coached him in Carolina, knows what he can bring to the table, knows how to use him, which is the biggest downfall for some of those Curtis Samuel, Tavon Austin, Percy Harvin type guys, is a lot of teams just don't know how to use him. When the Dallas Cowboys brought in Tavon Austin, I remember there was a, one of the early games, Sunday night game, they, they were playing against the New York Giants, and he went in for a bomb, 80-yard touchdown right on the side of the field. That was the last time you heard of Tavon Austin that year because they don't know how to use him. He's not a deep threat. He's a a Swiss Army knife guy. You run him on reverses. You run him out of, you know, bubble screen. Run him deep. Run him across the field. You do all these different things, and Ron Rivera knows how to use Curtis Samuel, so I love these additions to the team. Other guys I'm not too excited about. Lamar Miller has been dead for the last three years, but they have enough running backs in Washington where that's not going to make a huge difference. It's really just how Fitz can uh, incorporate himself into this offense, and he's proved he can do that in the past, so I like what they've done. And then the second team that is by far the most improved is the New England Patriots. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this team, quite frankly, because we talked about them uh, a lot last week. And we, I mean, what else could be said about the Patriots? I mean, they, they took every free agent that you could. They overpaid on some. They have the best tight end room in the league, um, bar none. And then if they bring a, in a quarterback, it's just going to make things that much better. And we'll talk ding, about ding, 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 ding. And we'll talk about quarterback possibilities a little later in the show. But they still need a quarterback. But besides that position, they they stacked up the defense. They stacked up the offense. They're they're improved. <laughs> I think it's definitely. safe to say that. I mean, yeah, they definitely improved. And it all comes down to that quarterback. You, you, you can't make all these moves and not have a plan at quarterback. Because spending all this money, um, you know, pretty, I wouldn't say recklessly, but they definitely opened up the checkbook this offseason. And you, you cannot do that in a situation where you have Cam Newton as your starting quarterback. That just doesn't make any sense to me at all. They need an upgrade at that position. I can't imagine they don't upgrade that position. And, and even when they signed Cam Newton, um, we saw that that one-year $10 million number on it. It's, it's not that much at all. It's really just one and a half, two and a half million dollar signing bonus, yeah. a base salary of one and a half million, which is the veteran minimum, and then a bunch of roster bonuses. So. Yeah. That is not a $10 million contract. That's something a lot less, and they have a ton of room to still bring in another quarterback, an impactful quarterback, which is what they need to do. Exactly. And then the team that is going to bring in a very impactful quarterback is the last most improved team. That is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Between what they've been able to do with getting Shaq Griffin, Carlos Hyde, a underrated signing in Marvin Jones, you get uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, Bill Dorsett, Malcolm Brown. These are all some very very solid signings the Jags had a lot of cap space they still have the number one overall pick and they're just going to keep going this offseason they're already tremendously uh, improved with this just a little bit of talent 
and they can only get better with with the draft and with all the draft capital. And so I love what the Giants been able to do. Kind of surprising seeing Urban Meyer. I, I guess he's been doing some a, a good job as a as a head coach, um, bringing some free agents. You know, he's not really used to having to pay for some guys to bring in. You know, normally he just gets them for free. But the the Jags have been making some good noise um, during this NFL free agency period. And I love how he he only brought in one of his old guys. You know, he had to give Carlos Hyde that little little all right, all right, Buckeye bum. You, you can come into the fold here a little bit, but. I think this this Jags team, it's the biggest highlight is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And um, what can you do to set that man up for success and bringing in Marvin Jones, bring in Philip Dorsett, two guys that can make big plays. Um, Shaq Griffin on the outside, very, very underrated cornerback for the Seahawks the last couple of years. Um, it, you know, it's just they've made smart moves and bringing in Trevor Lawrence allows you the flexibility to make all these um, you know, outside cornering moves. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's going to be how quickly can they integrate Trevor Lawrence into this offense? Is he an impactful player year one? Mm-hmm. Is he an impactful player week one? Or is it going to take him a couple couple years to get to that point where he is that Patrick Mahomes, um, Deshaun Watson level that we all think he has the potential to be? So it's going to be interesting. At least we'll be finding out soon about that one um, as the draft is quickly approaching us. Now let's move into the least improved teams or teams that have even taken a couple steps back this offseason. First one I want to talk about is a team out there in the desert and it's not the Cardinals. It is the Las Vegas Raiders because they lose most of their offensive line. They overpay for Kenyon Drake. They, they hands down overpay for Kenyon Drake and they cut their best safety in LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, John Gruden, what you doing, man? <laughs> Yeah, what he's doing is he's losing, um, he's losing his whole offensive line. So that's well, well, not sorry, great. sorry. At least they re-signed Marcus Mariota, the most important piece on that team. So gotta give them some credit there. Yeah, I mean they, they can look forward to that one half of football where he looks okay and think they might get a, a he might think he might get a big contract in the offseason. I don't know how much that does for you. I think Kenyon Drake is the most overrated running back in the NFL. I don't think he's good at all. Um, Lamarcus Joyner was consistently one of the best safeties in the league and just losing your biggest offensive weapon, which unfortunately was their offensive line last year and losing Rodney Hudson, losing Trent Brown. I have no idea what they're doing. Um, doesn't make any sense. If, if they got any sort of substance out of that, if they use that money in a different way, they, I would understand least, it, but they, they didn't, they didn't replace window. it at all. So no. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, no Raiders. Once again, John Gruden proved that the only way he can win championships is if he gets traded and put into a hand-picked team that's already going to the Super Bowl with or without him. Um, yep. Still, when he signed that ten-year, one hundred million dollar contract, I said it was going to be an absolute bust, totally overrated. And every year he continues to prove me right. Thank you very much, John Gruden. I appreciate you for doing that. The next team that I want to actually say um, here is. One that maybe other people might not put in this category, but just given kind of like a lackluster offseason that they've had so far, uh, the fact that they've really, they've had some good re-signings, they had a, a pretty good trade, but they're a contender, they're a playoff team, borderline Super Bowl contender, but it, they haven't really made that push to really put them over the edge. That is the Indianapolis Colts, and they re-sign almost essentially their entire offense. They get that trade for Carson Wentz, but they, who is an improvement in that position, but 
they haven't really done done much else there. I I would like for the Colts to made like a, a bigger push this offseason to really bring in a, a playmaker, but I guess they're content with saying Pats. I I respect that, but at the same time, they should have done a little little more uh, during the first week or two of offseason. Yeah, I just I, I don't understand their allotment of money there to the receiver core, receiving core. I just think T. Y. Hilton for anything over you know five mil a year is an egregious overpay. Um, and also when you have a guy, when, when you put so much of your reputation at stake by trading a first round pick for a guy like Carson Wentz, I mean, what's, what's most likely going to, you know, end up being a first round pick with all the incentives and that with the conditions. But when you do that and you don't make a push to go get a very gettable Kenny Galladay or a very gettable Juju Smith-Schuster, and you just instead take that money where you could have used it to them, numbers match up, and you bring in back T.Y. Hilton. I don't understand it at all. He looks washed. He gets hurt all the time. He doesn't have the same explosion. He's not a great one-on-one player like these other guys were. Carson Wentz is not a guy that's just going to pick you apart with accuracy down the field. He needs big plays. That is not T.Y. Hilton anymore. Um, I, I just, I don't understand what they were, what they were doing this off season. It seems like they didn't really have a plan or their plan was just get Carson Wentz and figure everything out later. Very different than last year when they brought in a DeForest Buckner and they drafted Jonathan Taylor and you saw the direction of where this team was headed, but now it just looks like, okay, we're just gonna have to bank on Carson Wentz. If he's good, we look good. And if he's bad, we're cooked. So it just seems like a lot to put into Carson Wentz. It, it, that's really what they're doing here. Uh, there's still time, like we said, so we'll see if they're able to, to make a move. It, it, maybe like a last one. M- maybe they have a good draft. Who knows? And then the last team I want to talk about is staying within that division in the AFC South. That is the Tennessee Titans, because not only do they absolutely overpay for Bud Dupree, they lose their their a, a key to the offense. Of course, he's not the wide receiver one, but Corey Davis was really important there for uh, for them down the stretch. And they've had an absolutely lackluster free agent period, kind of like the Colts, where they haven't really done much. At least the Colts are able to resign all their talent. The Titans have been able to do that. I don't like what they're doing there, especially because they're a really good team last year. They were that playoff team, borderline Super Bowl contending team, similar to the Colts. All the the Colts are, or um, they have the edge on them. I I I don't know what they're doing. Similar situation as the Colts. I just thought they were going to do something a little more than this. And, and the interesting thing is, is, is I think at least the Titans had an excuse. They didn't have a ton of cap space. Mm-hmm. They did most of their spending last year to mm-hmm. re-sign Ryan Tannehill and to re-sign Derrick Henry. So they didn't have a ton of, of cap space to work with. They at least, I mean, I don't think the loss of Corey Davis is as impactful as anyone thinks it is. I think he's a, a very boomer bust player that you can easily replace in the draft. And Bud Dupree at least gives them a, a, a name, a pass rush name. Um, you know, you Maybe get that. Times, so he'll just end up injured a couple weeks into the season. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> what happened last year with, with Clowney. So I guess I guess they have that. They know how to respond to that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really understand. What, I mean, the thing is, is they were just hamstrung by the cap. So I don't think they have a huge excuse as to why they are as to if they could have done anything different, I think what they should have done maybe is instead of spending all your money on Bud Dupree, maybe spread it out a little more. Maybe you bring in a guy like Kerry Hyder or Romeo Aquara or someone that's a little less expensive. Yeah, King that was, was much cheaper. Exactly. So, you, you you know, you spend some on that, and then maybe you bring in a secondary playmaker to opposite A.J. Brown instead of having to now probably fill him in the draft. 
So it's, it's interesting what they did, but I can see at least the reasons why they did it because of the cap issues, whereas the Colts can't understand it at all. No excuses right there. And then, like what we've been saying, Alex, that there is still a good amount of talent left on the free agent market. And so here are some three names that still haven't been signed as of yet, and there are potential landing spots. The first one I wanted to bring up is former Saints linebacker Quan Alexander, a, a guy that's very talented. He's a, he's a real versatile guy, really good um, right there playing the inside, in, playing the middle of the field, helping on the run game. He He's a multi um, he, he has a bunch of tools in his tool belt, uh, so to say. And mostly a cap casualty from the Saints. Great talent that you would love to keep, but with the Saints being like sort of negative $70 million in the hole th- this offseason, you're not going to be able to keep everyone. And I got, some, uh, I got three teams that he would be great for. One of them is the Los Angeles Rams that have a gr- real solid defense, one of the best in the league, but they still... If they have a weakness, it's at that inside linebacker position. You have the Green Bay Packers, who arguably missed out on Patrick Peterson. They've Their biggest move this offseason was re-signing um, Aaron Jones, which, of course, fantastic re-sign. They needed that. But they still haven't done anything on the defensive side of the football for years now, at least, at least nothing major. Um, they've always been the, the team that will draft and will build through the draft. And that only gets you so far because apparently that only gets a championship game appearances uh, going with the, what the Packers are doing. So they need to make a splash. But my best number one spot for him is a team that's been bolstering the hell out of their defense this offseason. A team, like I said, still third in cast space. And a team that needs help at the linebacker position. That is the Denver Broncos. I think that's the best spot for him. And I think that's the team that will benefit the most. And maybe the more realistic line spot given cap space and, and, and allotment and what you're actually able to do with contracts. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think the Broncos are an absolutely great fit for Quan, um, especially with just what Quan brings to the table. He's a ball hawking, extremely fast east to west uh, middle linebacker that can call out the defense, that can you know get your guys organized. He's not great in pass coverage, um, but he's you know, serviceable in that direction and his instincts and his, his speed to run down guys, especially that chiefs offense is going to be <laughs> extremely valuable. And, uh, um, but I think, you know, the Packers have, have missed out on, on a middle linebacker the last two off seasons. And we're clamoring for Quan Alexander to be traded to the Packers last time when he went to the saints. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, why not, you know, complete everything. The Packers missed on this guy three times already. Let's give him a fourth shot at it. Let's bring him in. Let's, um, you know, solidify the middle of that Green Bay defense. And especially when uh, when the calendar starts turning to December, January, and things start getting a little colder in Green Bay and their offenses that they play against start to shift to a more run style, more short pass start, start to, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, adjust the offense in that direction to move for the weather. Quan Alexander would be invaluable in that situation because of his speed and because of his instincts and his tackling ability. So I think he probably does land on to somewhere like the Broncos, somewhere with cap space like that. He's not going to break the bank, but I think it'd be a lot of fun to see him on the Packers and see what he can do. Certainly would make Aaron Rodgers a happy camper up there. The next name I want to talk about is a guy that we were talking since the beginning of free agency. That's edge rusher Melvin Ingram. The Chargers <laughs> like cut him essentially, or they, they said they weren't going to resign what well, feels like a year ago, and he still hasn't been signed yet. We given the teams that he'd be great on. Alex said the the Raiders, um, that obviously helped them go from one of the least improved to at least having a good offseason that you could rest your cap on. 
He will be great in Miami. And also the Panthers do still need an edge rusher to, to go along with the, the defense they've been building up. So that's another great spot. But the biggest question here is why hasn't he been signed? It, it, this is a head scratcher to me. I'm really confused. Is he asking for too much? Yeah, I don't know if he's if he's seeing those other numbers of the Trey Hendricksons and the uh, Carl Lawsons and saying, oh, I'm significantly better than those guys. I need to be up in the 17, 18, 19 million dollar range. Um, but I just I don't think with his injury history, he warrants that. So I think this is a very, very similar situation to the Jadavian Clowney thing we had happen last year where, you know, he's asking for this huge number is willing to go for a, you know, a shorter term, high money deal. But that deal's just not on the table right now. And as you see teams dwindling with cap, cap space, his, his, uh, um, you know, his uh, representation is going to have to adjust what they're expecting out of this, this uh, free agency deal because that money's just not out there. Those spots just aren't out there. So you're probably going to see him take a one, two-year deal you know, worth around what those other guys were getting. And you know, it's just going to be have to prove a deal. You're going to have to do that just given your injury history, and I think that's warranted right now. And then the last guy I would like to talk about is a legend, surefire gold jacket Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the halls of Canton, uh, if not four years, maybe five, maybe six at the most, you know. Um, but Larry Fitzgerald, his future in Arizona still isn't guaranteed. Nothing's Nothing's been solidified. There's been talks by, by these sides. But now there's these rumors that are starting to pour in. Maybe he returns to his home state in Minnesota and throws on the purple and yellow for one last season, and he maybe helps out um, that, that Justin Jefferson and aid that receiving core in a team that isn't really going to be contending for championships, but they're trying to bring him in. Maybe he gets the last his last season in the NFL is in his home state with a young guy that he can help out. But really, I I can't imagine Larry Fitzgerald in anything other, other, other than the red and black. It just doesn't look right. It's not right. It doesn't sound right. I think Larry Fitzgerald either retires or he signs another one-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. But with how long it's taken, I'm kind of getting a little nervous that maybe these Minnesota rumors are a little more substantiated than that we were once uh, led on to believe. You know, this definitely isn't one of those impactful moves of the offseason, but it's one of the impactful moves for just Larry Fitzgerald's legacy, you know, as a whole, because there's something just so cool about getting drafted to a team, spending a Hall of Fame career all with one team. And I think he just lose, loses some of that, you know, well, warranted that he's going back to a home state and it's, you know, a cool story to go back to where he started from, but you know, I just don't think it's worth it for him. And it's like, what do you need another year out of this thing for? If the, the Arizona doesn't want you back, if you don't want to sign a contract there, sign a sign a one day contract, retire with the with the Cardinals, and call it a career because he's not producing on the field anymore. You know, if he really wants to go in that mentorship, you know, let me bring in a young receiving core along. Just be a coach, dude. You don't need to be a receiver to do that. You know, you can have impacts in other ways. So. I don't think it's worth it for him to leave Arizona. If a deal's on the table with Arizona and he wants to come back for a year, that's awesome. If it's not, hang it up and, you know, move on from there. It just doesn't seem like it's it's too um, – it doesn't seem like it's it's warranted to go join Minnesota for a last shot at it. Yeah, let's let, let's keep it with the same team. We don't see that nearly enough as I would like. And I maybe call me old school, but I, I just love that a little more. Um, but – 
shoot, I still kind of want to see Larry Fitzgerald for one more year. Maybe the Cardinals can do a little something. Not being winning a ring, but uh, I, I guess we'll see how this plays out. Hopefully sometime soon. But there's our free agency stuff, Alex. And time to get into the best segment of all. So let's roll it. Let's go, that's it. We want to so, ball, we're going to score. Tell them to bring me my money. Yeah. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. So we buying or are we selling? All right, so here's our buy or sell segment. Of course, you guys love it. I'm so appreciative that you guys have a lot of fun with this one. So, of course, those don't know that how it works, we give you five statements, and it's up to you of whether you're going to buy that statement or you're going to sell it. And, Alex, the first statement I got for you today is that Sam Darnold is not going to be starting for the New York Jets this season. I'm going to buy that just based off the odds standpoint because I think there's three there's three options here. One, he gets traded. That's a very, very clear way of him not starting for the Jets next year. Two, he stays with the Jets. They draft Zach Wilson at number two, which is looking like an inevitability at this standpoint. And Zach Wilson starts day one because he's that he's got that much investment mm-hmm. into that, that franchise. And C, which is I think the only other option, is Sam Darnold stays. They draft Zach Wilson. And then they let Zach Wilson mature until the bye week, and then they throw him out there. But um, I don't think Sam Darnold is is in the plans for the Jets' future. And if it were that they would, you know, maybe more aggressively be shopping that second pick. But all the talk right now is Zach Wilson and the Jets are almost intertwined um, right now. And and so I just I see no way that Sam Darnold uh, is in the plans moving forward. So does he start for a couple games while you know Zach Wilson gets a little bit? more seasoning potentially, but I think the more likely standpoint is either he gets traded or Zach Wilson starts day one. Now, I guess Corey Davis might have not gone that memo because he said when he was brought in, Sam Darnold is his quarterback. Uh, I, I think that's highly unlikely. I don't and, think Corey Davis knows anything what's going on right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't even think the Jets know anything that's going on right now, if I'm going to be honest with you. Actually, sorry. I to, I, we actually have to respect the Jets as an organization now. Just because of Rob Sala, they they're not an Adam Gates team anymore, so they they deserve our respect at least from that standpoint. And if you're the Bengals, you better hope that you know Zach uh, Zach Thomas is is the guy for the Jets because you want to know what that means. Who's there at number three? Penny Sewell, the guy that's going to be Joe Bur- Joe Joey Burrow's savior uh, uh, there in Cincinnati. So Sam Darnold. Well, they pick at five, but I think oh, Penesol is going to be. You. I think he's going to be there eventually, anyways. He's. I think he's going to be if the Jets don't take him. There's, there's the Jets. Are, the Jets are going to take the top four. The, I think the top four picks have a very high likelihood to all be quarterbacks. <laughs> whether whether all the teams that are there draft them is a different story. Imagine that, just four quarterbacks right off the board. That would be insane. Speak of team that speak of needing quarterbacks, so let's go to the New England Patriots, and I'm gonna tell you that the Patriots had a better offseason than the Tampa Bay Bucks did. Patriots had a better. I mean, like, like, what do you like? If you get the offseason award, congratulations. I mean, yeah, the Patriots had a better offseason because of the names they brought in, mm-hmm. but um, I'm actually gonna sell the statement because I think the Bucks had the better offseason based on the fact that they kept their guys that were mm-hmm. crucial to them winning godwin david shaq barrett rob gronkowski they kept all these guys they kept antonio brown um you know they just signed and sue which 
you know, you put him next to uh, to, to Vita Vea there. That's an incredible front, front four right there yeah. with Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, and then Dominican Sue. And you have Levante David still manning the middle. It's incredible. I mean, come on. So, you're the Patriots. Uh, if you're the Patriots, you bring in all the you bring in a lot of big names, which is huge. And I don't want to downplay that. Where I said they're, they're the, one of the most improved of this offseason. But if you're the Bucks, you just won the Super Bowl in convincing fashion, albeit against a a injured Chiefs team, but you still whooped their butts in in Super Bowl uh, 55. Now you're able to keep every single starter. You keep all 22 starters in the offseason where I didn't think they're actually going to be able to do that. I thought at least like a guy like Shaq Barrett might have been gone. I just didn't know they're going to be able to afford that, but. They're able to do it. It's the the Tom Brady magic is going on down there. If you're a Super Bowl winning team and you're able to keep your Super Bowl winning team together, I think almost no matter who any other team brings in, you're going to be winning that offseason because, hey, it's proven. It's proven. These free agents, for all we know for the Patriots, they might all be busts. We already know what the Bucs are able to do, especially with that defense. I'm going to say that the Bucks are the biggest winner of the offseason, potentially at least bigger than the Patriots. And I just didn't put them in their most or least improved because they didn't improve. <laughs> they're just they're, they're same. And that's not a bad thing. It was a bad thing for the Colts, not a bad thing for the Bucks. And then speaking of Colts, Alex, I mm-hmm. saw this argument. And I want to propose it to you. And that is Phil Rivers is a better option at quarterback at least last season, than what Carson Wentz is going to be this season. So are you saying for a one-year sample size just on the field that Rivers is better than Wentz? Are you taking in everything into account? Everything into account. 100% Philip Rivers then. I mean, yeah. first off, you have to give assets to get Carson Wentz. That's mm-hmm. less good players on your team, which is, in my mind, the, uh, the goal of the NFL is to get more good players on your team. And Carson Wentz causes costs significantly more than what Phil Rivers would cost. Carson Wentz also, you now, since you bring this player in, you bring him into the fold, you now have to divert some of your offseason attention, some of all of your, uh, you know, just your practice time, all that, that capital you have in the offseason where you need to develop players. You have to now spend this getting Carson Wentz acclimated to the team transitioning your offense to do what Carson Wentz does better instead of just rolling with Phillip Rivers again, or a guy like Phillip Rivers, like you could have brought in Fitzpatrick. You could have brought in Gardner Minshew. You could have brought in all these guys that are a step below Carson Wentz from a, from a, um, from a talent standpoint, but from an actual team building standpoint, those guys fit so much better than Carson Wentz because of the cap number, because of the assets it takes to get him, And because of what you have to put into making Carson Wentz successful there. And I think if you go with one of those alternate options at quarterback, maybe you have a Kenny Galladay this offseason. Maybe you have a guy that's going to actually produce something on the outside instead of T.Y. Hilton at that $10 million a year number. So I think Philip Rivers or a guy like Philip Rivers is a much better option than Carson Wentz this year just because of all the things that we talked about that went into getting Carson Wentz. Also, Philip Rivers, his almost his whole career, although – not the clutchest quarterback of all time. He did have a, a, enough uh, fourth quarter comebacks to, to help save him, though. He has been severely underrated, um, I, I would like to say. And maybe people need to put a little more respect on Philip Rivers' name there. Agreed. One of the last ones is that uh, the Baltimore Ravens, they clearly need a wide receiver one. 
They haven't been able to get a wide receiver one, at least so far. They've offered T.Y. Hilton. They've offered Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, both guys that resigned with their, their current teams, the Colts and Steelers. T.Y. Hilton saw on the Pat McAfee show that he was five seconds away from becoming a Raven. But he doesn't. Are there, Is it things? Do wide receivers not want to play in Baltimore? I'm going to buy this statement, and I don't blame him at all. I completely agree with him. Why would you want to play in Baltimore? Now, is it not... a Lamar Jackson thing, or is it a Greg Roman thing? No, it's 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 an all the thing. Here, here's the thing. It is a Lamar Jackson thing. It is a Greg Roman thing. But that's not a bad thing. Mm. That's just how you run your offense. Their offense is designed to maul people, to move downhill, to have a lot of different options in the run game. You don't need an elite passing offense right now. You know, contrary to popular belief, you don't need an elite passing offense to have an elite offense. The Ravens have proven that the last one and a half years, the half season that they had with Lamar Jackson and the full year with them. You just, you don't, or the, the two full years with um, Lamar Jackson and the, the one back in 2018 where he came in half the year. You can run an elite offense with a ground game, a multiple ground game like they had. And if you're number one wide receiver, why would you want to go to Baltimore? You're not going to get the looks that you would in any other offense. If I were the Baltimore Ravens, I would stop worrying about receivers. I would just do what the Patriots did. You go sign a Hunter Henry. You go sign a Johnny Smith. You have two monsters working in the middle of the field to pair with Mark Andrews. And that's what Lamar does well. He throws the ball over the middle well. He throws yep. contested catches well because he doesn't have the accuracy to fit it in those typical three, five, seven-step drop coverages that that other you know pocket passers can do and just build that offensive that, that offense from the interior offensive line to the running back position to the tight ends. And you just don't worry about putting big money on the outside because you don't need it. You're not going to use them anyways. You can put anyone you want on the outside. They're not going to get the same looks that they would in another offense. And they're not going to get the same opportunity that a big tight end would have in that Ravens offense. So I, I'm going to buy this statement and I don't think it's a bad thing. No, I don't think it is either. Um, and then the last statement I want to leave you with is that speaking of what the Patriots are doing a little earlier in the show, a couple of times, the Patriots will be trading up for a quarterback in this draft. They're currently at number 15. We're thinking that maybe the first four picks might be quarterbacks. Do, or, do the Patriots trade up? You know, the problem with the problem with where the Patriots are at, the problem with where the Broncos are at, and the problem with where the Niners are at is they're all in a position where they think they should probably get a quarterback this year. And 9, 12, and 15 are not spots you want to be to get a quarterback because someone inevitably, inevitably is going to jump you to draft that fifth quarterback. Cause I think, I don't know. I just think all five quarterbacks are gone by 11, 10, 12. I mean, somewhere in there, all the quarterbacks are going to be gone. And will the Patriots trade up for one? It's possible. I don't think they will though. So I'm going to sell that statement just because of how much draft capital it is going to take to move from 15 to three or move from 15 to four. It's going to take their first round pick this year a future first round pick and probably a couple day two picks. So it's going to be a very, very expensive endeavor to actually do make that happen. And I don't think that Bill Belichick is going to be able to stomach doing that for quarterback. I just don't think that's a Bill Belichick move. Bill Belichick no. is it going to be, he might seek in a lot of money uh, in free agencies to sign some guys. I don't think his guys that's going to be taking years of draft capital away just for one guy. Now when, for a little less draft capital, and for maybe a, a, a smaller, uh, a smaller or a lower ceiling, higher floor, just get Gardner Minshew. That's what we've 100%. been saying. Just get Gardner Minshew. I'm glad we could agree on that, Alex.
But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us this week in this week's NFL offseason breakdown for week six. Let us know what you think in the comments on Twitter, on Instagram, or leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. Um, before I sign off, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. If you want to become a member of this prestigious group, go on over to patreon.com slash fourth and long and get started today for just a dollar a month you could be a part of this group thank you to ray rodriguez for all your car collecting needs go follow at the big bat box on instagram shout out to neil wiley and his youtube channel chosen problems and a big thank you to ryan watson alex thank you so much for joining us here today always a pleasure to talk a little bit of football with you and we'll see you guys in the next one peace